0: Out, just lift your hand this is called here comes the bride and that song I, it's got to be probably at least 35 or 40 years old and while I was studying I couldn't we need some up here I couldn't get it off my mind I can't believe I could remember both verses the chorus, all of it so I thought maybe we just needed to hear it tonight angels step aside here comes the bride and so, we've talked about Zion, we've talked about Babylon, and then we talked about the comparison between Zion and Babylon. And tonight, we're going to talk about the bride. Now, I am not a, an expert on the book of Revelation, but the Lord said there's a blessing in it And I've been listening to Pastor, and so what I've been hearing on Monday nights has been inspiring what I'm teaching. I'm trying to digest what he's saying because I think this is very relevant for the time we're in. Very much so. So we need to know. Amen? Amen. So as far as I can tell, there are three groups of people that are going to be saved. One is the church. Two is 144,000 people that are sealed before the Great Tribulation or sometime during it. And three, millions of people who are going to die during the Tribulation because they believe in Jesus. Those are your choices. One, two, or three. Now here's the problem. Those of us that have been in the church and know about the church probably aren't going to make it to groups two and three. Because we know, the Bible talks about what happens to us if having tasted this, we turn our backs on it. It is in Hebrews, I'll let you read it. It's very sobering. You say, well, Sister Shostran, please don't depress us on a Wednesday. I'm just going to speak the truth in love. So I think... Because we have the revelation of the name of Jesus, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and very clearly the Lord has given us a mandate not to worship Jesus, but to become Jesus. Then it behooves us to find out what this is he had in his mind and why we are so privileged to be here on a Wednesday night when there are millions of people on this planet of billions someplace else. So I'd like you to look at your handout. Here comes the bride. I want you to look at what a wife is. Now, I'm gonna tell you all you have to do is go to documentaries and look about, look at ancient times and in cultures today, what it means to be somebody's wife. You might be horrified because for the most part, women were considered property. Little girls could be sold off to cancel debts. And in many instances, if a girl was a virgin before she was married, the landowner who held rights would consume that girl before her husband ever had her. This is the way it was. You talk about hard. No wonder the Lord said, I'm gonna judge the heathen and the pagans. There are things that have been going on since time immemorial that we know nothing about. And we are privileged to be in this hour. But from the beginning, it was not so. But man has perverted what God ordained. So Genesis 2 and 18 said, and the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Now please hear me. The word meet is an old English word. This is not a noun. Help meet is not a noun. Help meet, the word meet means worthy. It means a help worthy of him. Not help meet. I know we say that, but it's not grammatically correct. In fact, the word help comes from the Hebrew word "azer," And pastor preached about being, God being our azer a long time ago, and I remember it. Proverbs 18.22 tells you how God feels about marriage and men marrying women. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtains... Favor of the Lord. So, before we begin this discussion, we have to have appropriate vocabulary to understand why it is so important that you do not throw away your invitation to be part of the bride. You've already been fixed on, so it's it's cut bait and go forward. That's that's what we got to do. We are we've just got to go forward. Help or helper is azer, and that's what it means. It means a help. In fact, the name Eliezer means God is my help. So a woman, a wife, was supposed to be a complement to a man. Not subordinate to him, not dominated by him, not abused by him, not misused, but to be a help. In other words, he had a plan and a purpose, and she's supposed to help him be all he can be. Now, the Bible says a good thing, and it uses that phrase good thing, comes from the Hebrew tov. And it is a noun, an adjective, and an adverb. In all the studies I've seen, I don't ever remember coming across a word that was three parts of speech at one time. A thing describing a noun and describing a verb. But it says this good thing is joyful, kindly, kindness, loving, merry, most pleasant, precious, Prosperity, sweet, wealth, welfare, agreeable, excellent, rich, valuable in estimation, appropriate, becoming, glad, happy, prosperous, good understanding, good, kind, benign, good, right, and ethical. That is what a wife is. A help who is all those things. A help and a good thing. Now, favor... A man who is actively looking for a wife, he is seeking. He is, the Bible said, whoever finds a wife, finds this list. And then it says, God is absolutely delighted with him. I don't think most men know that it pleases God exceedingly for him to look for and find a wife. I didn't know it. But that favor means delight, satisfaction, to be pleasing, acceptable to God, to be approved. Delight is just absolute. That is awesome. We have a lot of weddings coming up here and we've been doing a lot of premarital counseling because we are intentional and proactive. We do not want people to get married and find out that they were a mismatch or whatever. We're saying to them there are principles of marriage that you need to know and the most important one is if you will stay connected to God you will assume the appropriate role you need to because the Lord is asking you to it's none of this well I found out I didn't love him Fooey, God is love you tap into God and he can show you how to receive and give love to anybody I'm sorry. I know people have this romantic notion of there's only one for me and no more. That's not biblical. It's simply not. I don't want to get into that with you. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Now, this is important because there are numerous scriptures and I'm going to jump down on your page. I'm not sure where it is because I don't have the page, but Please find Matthew 1, 18 through 19. Is that on the, your front page there? Starts on the front and goes to the back. Now, we're not going to stay on the back, but we're going to get here now. Matthew 1, 18 and 19 uses this word that is the same in the Old Testament as betrothed. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother, Mary, espoused to Joseph, before they came together, was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily, so she was espoused to him. That means betrothed. Now go back up to the section that says betrothal, the legal ceremony. Do you see that on your paper? Betrothal in its legal sense, and this is the Jewish word for it, erusin, is performed in the following manner. After an ordinary benediction over wine, that means a prayer, the person performing the ceremony continues as follows. They pronounce this over a couple. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us. That means separated us and made us holy. Why? Because only one group of people on the entire planet in human history ever got the commandments. The Lord our God is one. He chose one man, one family, and one nation. That's it. Blessed art thou who has sanctified us with thy commandments And given us commandments concerning forbidden connections. In other words, God very clearly said whom and not whom you can be married to. And has forbidden unto us those who are merely betrothed. And permitted unto us those lawfully married to us through canopy. That's called the hoopah, And betrothal. Kadushin, blessed art thou, O Lord, who sanctifiest thy people. How did he do it? Through the way they get betrothed, through the way they get married. They do something very different. They don't just fall in love with somebody that they met somewhere out. There is a procedure whereby they have a betrothal. This is what Mary and Joseph did. After which the groom hands to the bride a ring or some object of value, not less than a peruta, the smallest current coin, saying, and the groom turns to her and says, "This, be thou betrothed unto me with this ring, in accordance with the laws of Moses and Israel, Kadet Moshe Yisrael," and he pronounces that blessing over his wife. Now. I did all the studying so you could just have the sheet. But a betrothal is just this. First of all, a man initiates. And you wonder why in our western culture that has always been part of the custom. Because it is based on Jewish custom and ritual from the Bible. It is a pledge to marry. Now this is the betrothal. It means... I'm going to marry you. When you make that statement and go through this ceremony, you'll notice the next bullet underneath. It is much more binding than the modern Western practice of engagement. It can only be broken by divorce. So when Mary was espoused to Joseph, they had a ceremony where he said, I betroth you to me. I espouse you, Mary, to me. He gave her a token, and then at the set time, he was going to redeem that promise, and they were going to marry under the hoopah, the canopy. The first part of the wedding, though, was the betrothal, it was considered part of the wedding. Okay? And it was legal and legally binding. The betrothed woman was already described as a wife. If you were betrothed, as Mary was to Joseph, she was already considered his wife. Which is why you can see he was very troubled by the fact that she was with child. Because he knew he had no relations with her. She was considered his wife, although they had not consummated the relationship. They had to live apart for a period of time during which he was supposed to woo and win her with acts of kindness. Doesn't sound anything like an engagement, does it? Engagements typically are when people decide we're going to get married and the engagement is as long as it takes to prepare for the wedding. But this was, this was, this is my wife to be stronger than a fiance. She immediately, there were expectations of both of them. And the period of time during which the groom set about winning the goodwill of his wife, that's when he began investing in her. He is espousing her. Actually, what it means is he was making his own wife. By what he did before the ceremony. Now, did you hear that? That's going to be important because the title of this series is Here Comes the Bride. Now, when we see Matthew 1 18 and 19, we see that Mary was espoused, he was a just man, he was going to put her away privily. So let's look on the back side of your page. To espouse, to woo a woman and ask for her hand in marriage. So once they were betrothed, he didn't go, okay, I got you, I don't have to worry about it. Oh, no. At that point, it was like he took ownership of a garden. And if you remember, in the beginning, when the Lord made Adam, where did he put him? He put him where? He put him in the Garden of Eden. And he did, he gave him a job. The Bible said to dress and to keep it. That is the definition of to husband. Okay? That's the definition of to husband. It means that suddenly your work is, this is a living thing, the garden. You're supposed to tend it. That means you're supposed to look after it. I'll tell you, my little garden that I have at the top of the hill in the blazing sun, I can't believe that every single night after I have gone through with the claw, this is my little tool, I just dig up everything I'm fine with it, pulling them up by the roots. In two days, there's a fresh crop. You know what I'm doing? I am husbanding, I am husbanding, farming, I am tending, I'm looking for insects, I'm looking for debris, I'm looking for things that might eat something up. Okay? I planted it. I did it. Now I'm responsible for taking care of it. If you will, there are places in the Bible where it says you're gonna be married to the land. Now, why would he say such a strange thing when we know perfectly well that marriage is between a man and a woman and it is supposed to be a lifetime proposition during which children are born and raised and nurtured in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Then why would you say married to the land? Because, folks, God has always let the earth reflect the relationship of the people who are living there. In other words, in Israel, when the people did wrong and broke their marriage covenant, you say, what? The Lord betrothed. When Abraham passed through, when Abraham cut those things, those animals, in two, they were making pledges to each other. The Lord was espousing that man and his family. He was making a covenant. And from that moment on, when God would talk to Abraham's descendants, he would use the language of, you have committed adultery against me. that's a marital term. Now fornication is premarital relationships. But adultery is after you've been married, you're not faithful to your spouse. Are you with me? And the Lord said, I betrothed you to me. And when you are married to me, the land reflects our relationship. Say, that's just nuts. I've never heard anything like that. That's why he would say, I will bless you going out. And I will bless you coming in. He said, I'll bless your basket, your field your house, your cattle, your children, in other words, their finances, their relationships, their health, their well-being, everything physical in their actual land. We're talking the hills, the valleys, the rivers, the streams, the trees, the fruit, the vineyards, and the people who, Everything was dependent on not how hard they worked six days a week. Not how much money they reinvested in their business. In this group of people betrothed to God, he said, I don't want you following the model of other engagements. I want to do something different with you. If you will stay betrothed to me, I will let you marry your land and you will become sensitive and you will be tending and I'll show you when there are canker worms and balmer worms. Look what happened. Every time they broke faith with him and went adultering after idols and other things. And you know what he said? He said, you are completely taken in by the works of your hands. Well, what's that? He said, you love your job more than you love me. You love what you're building. You spend more time building things that you enjoy than you do spending time with me. You are more interested in your vineyard and you'll spend six days a week in your vineyard. And then the seventh day when you're supposed to be spending time with me, you're selling grapes. He said, that's not what I called you to. That's what all the other nations do. Do you remember, I'm old enough to remember when they used to have blue laws on Sunday. I remember when stores were closed over the weekend because people were going to church. Not anymore. We have moved away from the idea that the way I'm living here and the result of what I'm doing here is directly connected to my betrothal. Here. All right. Stay with me. It's going to get really good. All right. So let's look. Joseph was thinking about putting her away. So he had all kinds of rights because if she had been adulterous, say, well, they weren't even married. They were betrothed. It's as good as a marriage. The only thing that hasn't happened is they haven't moved in together and they haven't consummated their relationship. But in the eyes of this culture, a betrothal was, you're married. Married. Well, you hear of people breaking engagements all the time. Am I the only one? Couldn't do it in that culture. It was a big deal. Infidelity, huge. Used to be, when I grew up, not anymore, But it did. Now, let's look at the Lord's betrothal. Say, this is nuts. No, remember I told you there are three groups of people in the book of Revelation that are gonna be saved. And they're not equal, they are not the same. The first group is the bride. Do you realize how select and privileged you are? I know we don't look like much to the world, but because we are willing to spend three days a week an hour and a half each time, and then privately talking to him and reading our Bibles, who wouldn't want to love someone who wants to be with them? That's why it is so ridiculous to make a pretense of coming to church when your heart is not in it, you spend no time with the Lord. I don't mind the social, I don't mind it at all, but the offer he has made us goes so far beyond dinners, outings, Pizza parties. Yes. Do we have relationship with one another? Absolutely. Is it important? The Bible said, don't quit coming to church. In fact, the closer you see the day, which day is that? His return. He said, you go to church more. When you see it, up your attendance. Increase your devotion. Because now we're getting close. Why? Because the marriage is imminent. Now, the betrothal's already happened. I'm going to prove it to you. So I want you to look at Hosea 2 and 19 through 20. The Bible in the Old Testament is all about a broken betrothal. This is why he would say things. Before we do Hosea, I want to go to Isaiah. I think, I think, now I told you that the only way The only way they could break this is they actually had to go through divorce. Now you remember, the disciples came to Jesus and said, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Now they could have been talking about one we've been betrothed to. And the Lord said, unless she's committed adultery, and they said, well then, And he said, anybody that marries her, if she didn't commit adultery and you put her away, you've both committed adultery when you engage in another relationship. I'm not preaching about adultery and divorce. I'm telling you how emphatic God was about this relationship because he used this kind of language throughout the whole Old Testament. Now there's a a saying called the bill of your divorcement. And do you remember what was unique about Hosea? Whom did the Lord tell Hosea to marry? Anybody know? He told her to marry a harlot. I told him to marry a harlot. He said, because I want you to see that this is what Israel has done to me. I betrothed her. I wooed her. I said, I'm going to marry you. It's going to be amazing. I will take care of everything. And then he asked this question. And pastor, I I can't find it in Isaiah. Maybe you can do it for me. He said, where is your bill of divorcement? I didn't do it. He said, I didn't write you one. You have been unfaithful to me from the beginning, but I have not put you away. I keep reaching for you. Show me the bill. Show me the legal document. God's very legal, Sister Sheen. I did not realize this, but this was a legal agreement, and God made an agreement between Abraham. Abraham understood when he passed through those sacrifices and the smoke came down. He understood exactly what God was promising. I think that we don't know so much. We just think that the Holy Ghost is a gift and you can take it or leave it. It has everything to do with betrothal. Betrothal has everything to do with being espoused and being espoused has everything to do with being the bride of Christ. Did you hear that? Did you follow that line of logic there? I'm gonna repeat it. God betrothes us we are not yet married to him but the Holy Ghost is the sign of betrothal it is the gift that is given to us it is a gift that is given to us go to Jeremiah 3 and 8 and you'll see the language I'm talking about here how important this is because I don't know that people who are in church, who have received the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name, realize what that means. I don't know, I don't know if people, I know I didn't realize what a big deal this was. This is a betrothal. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. You know what he said? It is obvious you are not going to live for me. You don't love me. You don't want to be with me. I'll let you go. Do you know when the Lord says, eventually God gives up people? Have you heard that expression? Therefore the Lord gave them up. Do you know what he was saying? Here's your bill of divorce. You do not want to be married to me. I'm not going to force you. The most we can be right now is betrothed to him so let's go to Hosea because God made Hosea he asked him to marry this harlot he had two children by her and then I think he had one more and he named them degrees of their infidelity name this one I will have no pity they name, name this one you are not my people Named this one. So he used actual, an actual marriage to an actual harlot and the three offspring to make Israel go. What, what are those kids' names? You are not my people. Hey, come here, you are not my people. Every time Hosea called those children, he said that out loud. Hoping that somebody would go, oh God, how did we get here? We're supposed to be unique and unusual and peculiar and precious. We're supposed to be married. They didn't get it. They said, just leave us alone and let us have the weekend like everybody else. Please don't put this on us. We want a king. We want a party. Please. And they missed the whole thing. But the Lord said in Hosea 2:19 and 20, he said, I am going to strip you of everything. I'm taking it all away. Then I'm going to take you back into the wilderness. I'm going to start all over with you. And then he said, I will betroth thee unto me. How long? Forever. He said, I am looking for somebody who wants to be with me. say, well, I'm going to wait. And I've heard people say this. I am stunned. Well, if I don't make it in the rapture, I'll go through the tribulation. I'm like, if you can't serve the Lord because of love, you think you would serve him if they asked for your head? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Right now, he's all love and kindness. He's, we pray. And you know, I'm going to tell you, sometimes I am overwhelmed by the quantity of prayer requests that come in this church and it's exhausting. I'm going to be truthful. Sometimes it feels like being surrounded by a bunch of little kids saying, mama, can I have this? Mama, can I have that? Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? It takes a while for people to grow up. though their parents are not a bank account and Santa Claus. After a while, you recognize, I just want to be with you because you're my mom and dad. But that takes a level of maturity. And the Lord is willing to tolerate the endless requests for help and healing. And give me this and give me that. And Lord, help me through. And I am not taking anything away from that. But at some point, there has to be a mentality shift where we are. God, if you never heal my body, I'm not leaving you. This is a forever thing. And if things get rough, well, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. In sickness and in health forsaking all others to be only with you to cleave to you and become one with you he is looking for people who are saying you know what I know you can do anything and I yes I need your help and there are times when I'm so overwhelmed just like I am with my spouse and I come to my spouse and say pray for me help me help me do these things and there are five love languages five love languages guy named Gary Chapman wrote a book on it pastor I want you to tell us the five real quickly if you don't mind
1: there's uh, I don't know any of them acts of service gifts time uh, words of affirmation and there's one more and I can't remember it
0: gifts affirmation that means you're awesome you're great you're wonderful Gifts. Here, I just picked this up for you today. Acts of service. Here, let me carry that for you. Uh, I just want to spend time with you. And as I remember these five things, and I can't remember the fifth. Sister Sheena, look that up for me and tell me what the fifth is. The five love languages. I realize God uses all of those. You know why? You know why he's answering our prayers? Do you know why he's keeping us from COVID? Do you know why he comes on Tuesday morning and Tuesday corporate prayer and he comes on Wednesday? He's wooing a bride. He's trying to go, hey, I'm over here. Uh, I want to be with you. Uh, You know, and it's kind of like some young women who are pursued by a guy they're just not attracted to. Oh, That's all so and so. And we're talking about the king of kings and the lord of lords. Who is in pursuit not just of young people. He's concerned about older people too. He said I have made a promise to you. I am going to carry you from your infancy. Till the day that your hair is so old. That it just grizzles up and turns on itself. He said I will absolutely never leave you. Now we're not like that. A lot of couples hit the 10-year mark and trade each other for a new model and start all over again. But the Lord said, I'm in this. I'm interested in you. And if you're having a bad day, I'm going to have it with you. I'm your azer. I'm your helper. I'm going to betroth you to me forever. And he said, these are the four things. There are actually five things God promised. He said, this is how I'm going to win your heart. I know that you're concerned about bills and money and kids and you're concerned about your health, and you're concerned about your future. He said, I know you live down here in a temporal planet. I know you have to eat to live. I know you've got situations and issues. He said, but this is how I'm going to win you. I'm going to do you right, always. I'm never going to do you dirty. I'm never going to get mad and stamp safe. And wait until you get on my last nerve. And then I'm going to let you have it. I'm not going to sulk. I'm not going to go away. I'm not going to withdraw from you. And not talk to you. And not help you. I'm not going to punish you. I'm, I'm going to win you. By the fact that I always do you right. Even if you don't do it to me. Look on your paper what it says about righteousness. He said, these are the gifts I'm going to give you. I'm going to woo you. I am going to win you. And this was a group of people that didn't want him. He needed their DNA. He waited centuries for Mary. He needed their DNA. He said, I'm going to woo you by doing what is right or just or normal. So can you see why now? It is ridiculous for us to get all scared and worried about the outcomes of things. If we have truly been espoused, then guess whose responsibility it is to see that we're done right. Oh, wait a minute. I think I am gonna say that again. We are living in an unjust, cruel, wrong world. Have you ever been done dirty? The Bible said, leave room for wrath. In other words, you don't have to defend yourself. You say, well, if they punch my kid, I want my, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about always going around feeling like if you don't take care of yourself, nobody's going to help you. That's not what this says. He said, when you have been betrothed to me, I promise you, I will see that you are done right. You say, well, what about all the times I wasn't done right? There is a scripture written to people who have said, I'm not going to make the 144,000. Just so you know, that says these are men who are celibate, who've never been defiled by a woman. Now, if that's literal, then that kind of is limiting. There's no room for women and children in that crew. 12,000 from 12 tribes. If you're going to be in the millions that die and shed their blood and give their heads, I, I I can't imagine staying here any longer than I have to living through all that wrath because the Lord said he didn't appoint us to wrath. He wants a love relationship. He wants a bride. Not a concubine, not a harlot, not a hireling. He wants someone who wants to be with him. He wants to share his heart. He wants to share his vision. He wants to share your life because his is eternal. He said, I'm going to do you right. Then he said the second thing. I'm going to betroth you in judgment. Notice that he starts with righteousness. Why? That's how important it is to him that we do right and we're treated right. You say, well, I haven't been. This scripture was written for us. Now we know that all things work together, finish it, for good to who? To everybody? To anybody who can quote that scripture? Uh Uh-uh. People who are betrothed. All things work together for good to them who are the called. Called, chosen. I heard him call my name and I came. And I came out of that grave. He called my name. I was baptized in his. Why? Because that's a legal action of betrothal. It's legal. No wonder there's such an argument over it. Because heaven observes. When was the name affixed to the human? A betrothal. He said, I'll betroth you to me in judgment. I want there to be justice in your life, in your actions. I will judge. I will judge. You don't have to judge. In fact, he said, please don't. I will judge those around you. I will judge your your causes. And you know what this says? Proper, fitting, lawful. Sister Sheena, I'd like to know how many people Come to her after the death of a parent or a spouse and say, "Uh, That's my dad and that's my mom. That was my wife, my husband. I should have all that. And she will say, Bring me the will. Well, I don't have it. Then the law can only go so far. There is a relationship that requires a legal... You said, well, we're just living together. It's not legal then. Now, in our society, maybe they have made some changes. If you live together, you can be a common law, whatever. I don't know what all the rules are, but I'll guarantee you there are attorneys who pour over every jot and tittle to make sure the law is satisfied. The Lord said, when I make you an offer... I promise you it will be according to the law so that I cannot renege on my promise. If I make you the offer of betrothal and I say, I am the Lord that healeth thee, then you can count on the fact that whatever you're going through, I'm responsible for the outcome. I'm going to just share an anecdote with you. I don't know names, but when we were building out on the property, we have a spring, I think. I, this is how much I know. And somebody from the county came and said, I have to have a sample of that water. Have you done da 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 And I said, I don't know, ma'am. She said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, well, my husband takes care of Well, we're in an hour right now where people are saying, I don't need God. I know what to do to save myself, to heal myself, to fix myself, to better myself. There's no betrothal then. I'm saying, Lord, you promised you would supply every need according to your riches and glory. I can't lay awake at night trying to figure out a five-year plan. I don't have a five-minute plan. I just know he loves me. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I have a guarantee. Oh, lift your hands right now. Hallelujah. He said, I'm, it's not going to be just righteousness and judgment. He said, I am going to love you. I'm going to treat you right. I'm going to do it legally and lawfully. And look what loving kindness says. I'm going to treat you well. I'm going to be kind to you faithfulness, beauty, favor, and mercy. The Bible says in Psalms 103, and you can write these scriptures down because I didn't put them there. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You see, it's not your body you need to worry about because all of us are going to die. It's what's going to happen to that eternal part of us. That's what we're concerned about. He said, bless the Lord, my soul, and all that's within me. Bless the Lord, forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities. Why? I'm betrothed to him. He said, as long as I keep coming to you and go, I am so sorry, I didn't realize that offended you. It's okay. <laughs> who healeth all thy diseases. Oh, wow. Wow. But Lord, I've had some mental problems. because If you're betrothed to me, I am the Lord that heals Say, well, I'll never get over it. Well, then you're not betrothed. It's just that simple. You say, well, what about my physical body? He did not say that he would always heal that. This did not say, bless the Lord, all oh my body. This said, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. So there are soul diseases. He said, I will heal them all. Who crowneth thy life with loving kindness and tender mercies. Every girl wants to be a princess and there's nothing like thinking that you might get to wear a tiara that's made of the real stuff. He said, I am going to give you so much love and mercy that you are going to be radiant to everyone around you. He said, all I want to do is I just want to love on you. Don't fight me. Let the tears roll down your cheeks. Please let me get close to you. Let me melt your heart. Let me wash your emotions. Let me change your view. Let me change how you view yourself. I love you. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. Okay, I've done five minutes. Man. It's like going to the nursing home to see somebody you don't really want to see and you're just on the clock because it's duty. He said, I'm not looking for that. He said, I want someone to sit still and let me just... Sit with me a while. Can I tell you how precious you are? Uh, you got about five minutes. I got things to do, places to go, people to see. I said, I need to crown you with loving kindness. And I want to be merciful to you. Well, then that means that I'm going to have to admit that I need it. This is his betrothal offer. Loving kindness, tender mercies. Let's look what tender mercy says, compassion, tender love, great, tender mercy, pity, and then this odd word here, which blew my mind. Do you see what that says on your paper? What does that say? The womb. He said, I want to love you as if you were a fetus in a womb. Have you ever seen a woman who is protecting a baby? Have you ever seen her talk? Okay, that's just ridiculous. Then God is ridiculous because this is what he wants to do for us. And he's looking for people who are willing to accept that kind of lavish cherishing. Oh, well, pfft. That's for sissies. That's for girls. That's for, It's a betrothal. Then he said, uh, one more thing, verse 20. I will even betroth you to me in faithfulness. I, I'm... I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna enter into this agreement with you, and I'm gonna be so faithful to you that you're not gonna see me mess around on Facebook. I'm not gonna be slipping calls on the side. I'm not gonna to talk to you one way to your face and then behind your back. I'm gonna run you down. If when your adversary comes, I'm gonna tell him, "Get behind me." That's that's a brand I pulled out of the fire. Uh, I I'm I'm gonna be faithful to you. When you call me, I'm going to answer. When you ask for help, I'm going to give it. When you need my affection, you've got it. When you need time with me, I'm right here. When you need help, I'll be the one. When you need acts of service, I'll carry you. What do you need? I am. Stop being afraid. He said, I'm going to be firm. In fidelity and steadfastness and steadiness and security and faithfulness in fulfilling promises I will not lie to you not ever I will not manipulate you into doing something you don't want to do I'm going to keep my word and then he said this is going to be the result of the betrothal say this is the result, is the result. you shall know the Lord If you accept my offer, he said, and you let me woo you, and I keep proving to you over and over with every prayer and every event of your life that I am not going to leave you, that I'm not going to let you down, you're going to learn to know me You're going to perceive and see and find out and discern and discriminate and distinguish and to know by experience and to recognize, acknowledge, and confess. And do you know what it says? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. I don't know how anybody can confess without being betrothed. The very notion suggests that you've spent hours of time together one-on-one. The Song of Solomon says this. It is the love poetry. It's erotic in some places, and most of us don't read it out loud in church, but there are two verses that are appropriate. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me, his hoopah, his canopy. He said, come under the canopy with me, like Ruth did with Boaz, and let me love you. Then when you get close enough to God, instead of running from reality and being transparent, he said, oh my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs. He says, you're not out there for everyone to see, but you're there for me. Let me see your countenance. Come to me just as you are, reveal yourself to me. He said, let me hear your voice. Will you just talk to me? Will you show me what you are? Will you reveal yourself? Will you be vulnerable? Will you be transparent? Will you tell me the truth? Will you share yourself with me? For your voice is sweet to me. And to my eyes, your countenance is beautiful. And then Hosea 2, and 23 is the proof of what I said about when When we accept his betrothal, then the land responds, he said, and it shall come to pass in that day, in the day that he says, will you, will you be mine? And you go, yes, sir, Lord, I'll, I'll be yours. I'm yours today and I'm going to be yours tomorrow. And, and yes, I, I want to wear your ring. I want your gifts. I want to walk with you. You say, well, I've been walking with the Lord for 45 years. Yes. And we're espoused. The marriage hasn't come yet. That's why I told you, here comes the bride. We're going to finish this series, but I I wanted to talk to you about betrothal and his pledges. He said, this is going to be the result of a people who says, Jesus, we love you. Yes, I want to be your bride. And I will look, act, dress, behave, be anything you want me to, because I want to be with you. He said, I will hear did you know what the word here says? I, I looked it up. It means to holler. Hey, hey. He said, I'll hear the earth. I'll shout to it. I'll hear the heavens. I'll holler to the, hey. I've got me a bride. We're not married yet, but she's mine. And I'm watching her. I'm watching her every day of her life. I count the hair on her head. This is, this is mine. That man over there, he's mine. That woman, she's mine. That little girl, those are mine. They got my name on them. Heavens. And you know what the heavens are going to do? The heavens are going to go, we heard a voice. And they're going to hear the earth. And the earth is going to hear corn and wine come forth. When God and we get together, it affects the atmosphere, the earth, the everything the corn, the wine, and the oil, and they're going to hear God sows. And he said, I will sow her to me in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who didn't obtain mercy. And I will say to them who are not my people, you are my people. And you know what they're going to say in return, and I want to say it. I want to hear you say it. Thou art My God. Time to put Jesus back into the center. We're getting ready to go to a marriage, folks. A wedding. I want you to lift your hands. Lord, we feel your presence in this place. We know that your coming is near. You are looking for a bride. Now is not the time to become lukewarm and lackadaisical. To say that your gifts are okay and we don't need them and somebody else needs them. But God, to cherish. It's getting close. I can hear the sound of trumpets. I can see. I can hear there's a shaking going on in the heavens and you said you're going to shake it so the things that cannot be shaken remain and you know what cannot be shaken a people who love you Oh, lift your hands again
1: hallelujah let's stand hallelujah. <laughs> may I Share a secret with you. When we meet for marital counseling with these individuals that are engaged, they have a lot of stress about getting everything done for the wedding and all the stuff. But they have no stress about the individual sitting on the couch with them because they're in love. <laughs> they're worried about what's going to happen for a reception and what's going to take place with that. And I understand all of that. But I don't stress them out over who they're sitting on the couch with. But it shows you the emotion that the bride and the groom feel when they're getting fixing to get married. They just can't imagine any stress between us. It's all about all that other stuff. And we're living in a stressed out world right now. I, I read where 82 year old man had a some kind of a dog and it attacked a lady coming into his neighbor's house and the neighbor got mad and reported it went to court came out of court and the judge ruled that the dog was mad dog it's going to have to be put down 82-year-old man took a gun, went to his neighbor's house, killed a 63-year-old man, their 11-year-old granddaughter. Of course, that was in Florida. It's the South. Just stressed out, crazy. Oh, aren't you thankful for the spirit of the betrothed? there's a peace that passes understanding. I know it's a stressful time but I'm still in love with the one that called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I still, I know his peace that I can't feel anywhere else in the midst of all of this. Let's just raise our hands. Love him. Thank you Jesus. Oh thank you Lord.